I'm Wayne Turner, and welcome to the daily podcast of Bible Track. I have developed Bible Track to be both a commentary and a daily Bible reading schedule. These podcasts cover the text and commentary, which may be found at www.bibletrack.org. So, for those who have a busy schedule but do have time to listen to the Bible being read, this podcast is for you. At the end of one year, you will have gone completely through the Bible. We're reading the Psalms in the places where, historically, they probably were written. And so today we're looking at the Psalms that were written probably right along the time that uh, David had his uh, encounter with uh, Bathsheba and Uriah. So today we're going to begin our reading by looking at Psalm 32. Then we look at 51, 86, and 122. Psalm 32. This is the essence of David's relationship with God. The subtitle to this one says, A Psalm of David, Maskell. Verse 1. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept my silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the draught of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord, and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Psalm 32 was written by David, says so in the subtitle, and it's one of the seven penitential psalms, the others being Psalm 6, 38, 51, 102, 130, and Psalm 143. While not certain, it's quite probable that David wrote this in the aftermath of his sin with Bathsheba in Second Samuel chapter 11. It seems very similar to Psalm 51, where we know from the introduction to that psalm that the sin being confessed was the adultery with Bathsheba. We'll be looking at that one shortly. However, before David's confession regarding his sin, we see the torment of unconfessed sin in verses 3 and 4, where he says, When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. I mean, here's the reality. A close relationship with God is just not possible through a veil of deceit and unconfessed sin. Do you ever wonder why David was so highly favored with God? I think verse 5 captures the essence of this relationship when he says this, I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. 
I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Well, after being confronted by Nathan regarding his sin, David did not deny his sin. He just admitted and repented continually. By the way, the word masculine in the introduction of this psalm indicates it was a didactic or a teaching poem. This psalm serves as a great example for the Christian life. 2 Corinthians 5.21 describes the believer's relationship with God through Jesus Christ when it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That fits nicely with verses 1 and 2 of this psalm, which say, Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and whose spirit there is no guile. Just like David, our sins are forgiven as we exercise 1 John 1, 9, which says, If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. David caps this one off with the joy experienced when we restore our fellowship with our Heavenly Father, as seen in verse 11 here. It says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. Incidentally, Paul actually quotes verses 1 and 2 over in Romans chapter 4, verses 6 through 8, when he says this, Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, Blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Paul uses this reference to make it clear that David didn't believe salvation came through works either. All the way back to the Old Testament, David knew that it was all about faith. That brings us to Psalm 51. What do you say when your prophet has exposed your sin? The subtitle to this one is quite clear about the setting. It says, To the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, According unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities." Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, 
thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. As I mentioned earlier, here's another of the seven penitential psalms, the others being Psalm 6, 38, 32, 102, 130, and 143. As the heading in this one says, this one was definitely written by David, subsequent to Nathan's identification of David's sin with Bathsheba in 2 Samuel chapter 11. He's very remorseful in this psalm. And here's something we should take note of in verse 5. In verse 5, David ascribes original sin at birth. Well, that's proof that David believes that life started at conception. He wants to be cleansed and begs God for such. By anyone's standards, David is confessing before God his sin for terrible transgressions, adultery and complicity in murder. Yet David's position before God was always one of repentance. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 13, verses 13 and 14. Here's what it says. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord hath sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. David's legacy was that he was a man after God's own heart. He hated to disappoint God. As a matter of fact, let's take a look at some other references where David's commended for his attitude toward God in other portions of Scripture. We find uh, in one place Solomon's compared to David. That's 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4, and here's what it says. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Well, that's certainly a good recommendation for David, isn't it? And then David is compared to Jeroboam. In 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 8, here's what it says regarding Jeroboam. Thou hast not been as my servant David, who kept my commandments, and who followed me with all his heart, to do that only which was right in mine eyes. This prophecy was spoken to Jeroboam some 40 to 50 years after David's death. With all of David's shortcomings, disobedience toward God was just not one of them. And then we have Abijah. He's compared to David, King Abijah. In 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 3, it says, And he walked in all the sins of his father, which he had done before him, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father. And then we find in 
the Apostle Paul's own words concerning David in Acts chapter 13, verse 22. Here's what Paul said. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Yet, here's what we know. We know that David, in fact, engaged in adultery and murder, sins to which he confessed when confronted by Nathan. As a matter of fact, David is commended again in 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5, but with a qualification. Here's what it says. Because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord and turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. Now that brings up a practical Christian living point. Many times people confess a wrongdoing only after being cornered, leaving no plausible recourse for denial. Now some often, after seeing that, cynically point out that the only reason they repented is because they got caught. Somehow in their minds, one doesn't get full credit for repenting if they were caught first. However, it should be noted that David was caught by Nathan before he actually repented. And, by the way, it counted. Nonetheless, God didn't give David a free pass. He'll certainly be severely chastised with the death of his out-of-wedlock son, linked directly to his sin, along with the subsequent turmoil in his own house several years later, as recorded in Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 24 and 25. Yet once again, let me say that while God did chastise David, God honored David's repentant heart. There's another fine point that I see here in Psalm 51. While David acknowledged his blood guiltiness in verse 14, he nevertheless says in verse 4, Against thee, thee only have I sinned, and done this evil in thy sight. Was David's sin only against God? As we've seen throughout the Old Testament, kings had their way with their subjects. They didn't seem to feel restricted in their atrocities against their subjects by our modern-day social standards. Yet God expected more from his anointed kings of Israel. The law of Moses, God's law, dictated the actions of God's people. David obviously realized that actions in which kings of other nations might view as their right, God himself deemed as absolutely positively trespasses against God himself. Thus, David's sin was against God. Incidentally, Paul quotes from Psalm 51.4 when he says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, God forbid, yea, let God be true, but every man a liar, as it is written, that thou mightest be justified in thy sayings, and mightest overcome when thou art judged. Now what about the process of restoration of fellowship? I mean, after a big sin like that. Who makes the move? Does God make the move, or does the child of God make the move? Well, in this psalm, we see David repenting of his sin in verses 3 and 4, but calling upon God to do his part in the process in verse 10, when he says, God, here's what I want you to do. Create in me a clean heart, O God, 
and renew a right spirit within me. Today only the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit can make one's heart clean. 1 John 1, nine states the process when it says this, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we do the confessing, then God does the cleaning. One more issue that should be noted in the psalm, it's not about doing, it's about confessing and restoration. Notice what David says about simply going through the process of doing in verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. In other words, guilt before God isn't relieved simply with the acts of sacrifice. It takes authentic confession before God, prompting David to declare in verse 17, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Many Christians and non-Christians go through the processes of formal worship-like practices when all God really wants from them is authentic confession from their hearts. Now to Psalm 86. The subtitle to this one says, A Prayer of David. Bow down thine ear, O Lord, hear me, for I am poor and needy. Preserve my soul, for I am holy, O thou my God. Save thy servant that trusteth in thee. Be merciful to me, O Lord, for I cry unto thee daily. Rejoice the soul of thy servant, for unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my soul. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer, and attend to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, and doest wondrous things, thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth, unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me, and thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. O God, the proud are risen against me, and the assemblies of violent men have sought after my soul, and have not set thee before them. But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion, and gracious, long-suffering, and plenteous in mercy and truth. O turn unto me, and have mercy upon me, Give thy strength unto thy servant, and save the son of thine handmaid. Show me a token for good, that they which hate me may see it. And be ashamed, because thou, Lord, hast helped me, and comforted me. When this psalm, David prays to God for support, from a conviction that God is merciful, he's good, and ready to forgive, and that there's none like him. Notice verse 7, it says this, In the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. David had confidence in God, to whom he turned when trouble rolled his way. Incidentally, you'll notice that David credits God with everything in this psalm. It's important for believers to understand that it is God who gives us the power to live a separated, committed Christian life in a godless world. 
Our job is to establish uninterrupted communications with God, and God will just do the rest. That brings us to Psalm 122, the last one we're looking at today. And in this psalm, we see that Jerusalem is a special place. The subtitle to this one says, A Song of Degrees of David. Verse 1 says, I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together. Whither the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, unto the testimony of Israel, to give thanks unto the name of the Lord. There are set thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. Peace be within thy walls, and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren and companions' sake, I will now say, Peace be within thee. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek thy good. Well, David is named as the author of this psalm. The introduction to this psalm and to the Psalms 120 to 134 say a song of degrees. The Hebrew word for degrees means steps of ascent. It's not clear what this means exactly. The Mishnah, which is a Jewish collection of writings on Jewish thought and tradition, the Mishnah assigns the collection of these 15 songs, Psalms 120 to 134, with the 15 steps of the temple, suggesting that the Levites sang these songs of ascents. Perhaps so, but it may be rather that the songs were sung in the three annual festival processions as the participants ascended to Jerusalem. There's a clear theme in this psalm, and that's the health of Jerusalem. Verse 6 says, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that they shall prosper that love thee. That's pretty clear to me. How about you? It's important for believers to recognize that prophetic scripture revolves around the health and welfare of Jerusalem, the city itself. The major events of prophecy have as their setting the physical location of Jerusalem itself. If you'd like to get more information on the prophecies regarding Jerusalem and Israel, then look at my article under the topic section of BibleTrack.org entitled, A Guide to Prophetic Scripture. This concludes our podcast for today. I'm Wayne Turner, and if you'd like to read along with our commentary online, go to www.bibletrack.org. Thank you for listening in today. The background music for these podcasts is an original composition written by the music director of Fayette Bible Church, Paul Walker.